Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Warm welcome to episode 27 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. This week's guest is none other than Flying Brian Pillman Jr., now, I've had a lot of feedback about this episode prior to it going live, and I asked your questions to him. Firstly, what pleasure it was to ask some of them questions as well. Some really, really good questions, and he really enjoyed answering them. We talk about Brian's career so far. We talk about his start training at Lance Storm's highly acclaimed wrestling school, which probably will reopen after Lance has now been let go by WWE. So one of the most highly regarded schools where Brian's trained, with some great multinational, international talent too, as you'll get to hear. We talk about Brian's dad, Brian Pillman Sr., his career, how he set the trend many, many years ago. His dad tagging with Stone Cold Steve Austin as one half of the Hollywood Blondes, among other great topics. So here we go, episode 27 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast with Flying Brian Pillman Jr. Enjoy. Well, it is my honour and privilege to have on this evening, all the way from, you're in Kentucky, aren't you, Brian? Yes, sir. All the way from Kentucky, it's Brian Pillman Jr., the man with the best miller in pro wrestling, probably in pro sports, I'd say. <laughs> You got that right, brother. How how are things currently uh, with no bookings, Brian? How, how how are you how are you dealing with it at the moment? I tell you what, it's it's been really rough on me uh, mentally um, and physically. At least at least my body's given it time to regenerate. But the challenge physically is is staying in shape right now. You know, I've got a pretty natural uh, build, so I'm very blessed to have that. You know that genetics on my side, but you know some guys it's hard to keep them in shape, and it and it's hard. You know it's hard to travel around and stay in shape. Um, but yeah, right now, you know nobody's wrestling, nobody's traveling. Um, it's rough. You know our whole life, our whole livelihood, the way we make a living as wrestlers is is basically put on hold right now. So uh, my goal right now is to sort of stay afloat financially so that I can fill out and finish my dream. Cool, man. Cool. Uh, 
I'm just going to obviously extend off that now. What's your training regime been like? Obviously, with gym shut and stuff, how have you adapted your training? Yeah, so uh, I've got some secret, uh, top secret access to a ring this weekend. So that'll be the first time I, I get in there and get to shake the ring rust off. Um, there was a we had a we had a small condo gym down the street from us that we were able to use, but they just recently shut that down. So my workouts are sort of limited to at home things, you know, push ups, sit ups, squats, that whole deal. Okay, right. I'm gonna go into when did you first start watching wrestling? That's normally the first question I ask, but obviously I've gone a bit current with with the current situation. Well, I would imagine I was watching wrestling as I came out the out the womb. Um, but as far as you know, as a fan, like an intellectual fan, I uh, wasn't really taking wrestling as serious and watching it as much until I got into my twenties. Um, you know, when I was four and five years old, they had the memorial shows, and I got to meet all the wrestlers, and it was a very good kind of atmosphere. But as the years went on, I got into my adolescence. Uh, there wasn't any opportunities to, to meet any of the guys. The, the bridges had sort of been burnt. Um, there wasn't a lot of uh, desire for me. You know, I, I, I kept getting, I would get sad when I saw wrestling, you know, because it would remind me of, of what I had lost. And uh, and that sort of gives me a purpose in this in this world and in this life is to sort of reclaim, you know, what, what, what my name one time meant, you know, to a household, you know, household name. You know, the Pillman name is synonymous with pro wrestling and, and, it's it's the absolute honor to continue to live that out as Brian Pillman Jr. So pre pre adolescence, uh, which superstars did you gravitate to? We'll talk talk about them firstly. Oh, I always loved uh, the Hardy Boys. That was like my big thing. They were like my absolute favorite. They're, it's funny because like they're one of the few wrestlers I've met and really just like kind of marked out for like the star power of them, you know, like just really like, whoa, you know? So, um, it was, it was, it was interesting to, to, to meet them and, and for them to have gone and done those memorial shows and taken care of us at a young age. And even to this day, they, they remember me and, and, and they have great respect for me and what I'm doing. So I'm excited to run into them again in life, uh, down the road, perhaps soon. Uh, but no, I mean Jericho was always a big fan. I was always a big fan of his growing up too. I tell people that all the time. It's like that's the type of wrestler I want to be too. So it all kind of goes in line, right? Sit down. Uh, which which match types did you like? What what was what, what what were you into as a youngster? Um. So I, you know. I, I like, like I said, I like the Hardy Boys, so I was really into tag. It's kind of funny because I like tag matches as a kid, but as a, my, as a wrestler, I don't really prefer them. <laughs> but we've been having a lot more fun with them lately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, always always enjoyed matches, you know, tag matches, high action, you know. I always enjoyed those sort of those angles that, that Edge and, and them would do with, like, the girlfriend and, like, you know, the, the, the love triangle angles, you know, the dramatic stuff, and it ends up in a triple threat or something, you know. Did you have any favorite wrestling events on the calendar? What do you mean? In terms of, like, uh, obviously, like, was it WrestleMania, Survivor Series, the Rumble, like a specific event? You know, I always, like, I always loved the Hell in the Cell. You know, I always enjoyed that. That was always really cool, really cool, really bold, really, 
really spicy to me. Really spicy. Right, fast forwarding a bit again now. Where did you train to become a professional wrestler? Oh, that's a good one. So I actually trained with, with Lance Storm at the Storm Wrestling Academy in Calgary, Alberta, where um, a lot of uh, you know young and successful people have, have gotten the chance to train with him. Uh, he sort of you know uh, carried on that heart dungeon uh, style of, of pro wrestling training, that Canadian style. Um, so I was very honored to, to be a part of that. I was very honored to meet the Hart family while I was up there and, and really get a get a taste for, for what is to come, you know. Who, who was training with you at the school at the time? Are there any noteworthy people in there with you at the same time? Uh, or is it, I don't know. Is there any standouts? Yeah, I don't know if you know any, any Irish uh, wrestlers, but I was sharing a uh, I was sharing a training group with Darren Kearney of More Than Hype. You ever heard of them? Yeah, I've, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna turn around and say yes when I when I have <laughs> I could. I, I could well, say very yes, young, right? up and coming Irish Irish yeah. tag team. We're, we're one of the mainstays of uh, OTT wrestling. You ever seen OTT? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I do know OTT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I trained with him, and then I also trained with uh, a couple guys from Australia. Um, that you, you know, you probably won't know if you don't know Darren, um, but. One of them was Vance Adams, and the other was Elijah Gregor Day. So they had a very uh, international uh, sort of class, which was really interesting to uh, get to meet so many different people from different countries, right? So we had two Australians. We had an Irishman, uh, obviously some Canadians and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we had, a, we, had a, oh, we had a girl from India, I think. She was Indian, but... No, we had like I think Lance put on there. There was like six or seven different countries represented just in that class. So it was really neat to be a part of it. Hell of an international vibe going on in that school at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. We had a lot of different accents being thrown around. Where Where was your first pro wrestling match? So my very first time actually getting in the ring. Um, I went by a alias. I went by the name of Alex King, and I. Um, I wrestled at the, uh, what did they call it? The, they had, it was like a, it was a very small promotion in Cincinnati that, uh, that was run by a small church and it was actually the home promotion of Cody Hawk, who was actually the original trainer of John Moxley. So it was really cool to have that connection too, and have my first match with Cody Hawk was was a huge honor as well as just being in the ring with someone super experienced. He you know he had a pretty close tie to to my family and you know the Cincinnati wrestling scene in general, and he was somebody that was quite well respected. So in all in all regards, I'm I'm very happy that he was my first match. Um, but my first match as Brian Pillman Jr. was against a young guy named Jonathan Wolf from Indianapolis. So, And uh, ever since that first match, which, to be honest, I, I really enjoyed it as a first match. I had a lot of fun with it. I put a lot of my heart into it. Um, coming back from Lance's school, I was, I was still, you know, nice and fresh on the fundamentals. I was nice and ready and green, but well-trained and green and ready and excited. So when you watch this match, you're like, oh, wow, for a first match, you know, it's not too bad. 
But uh, uh, Jonathan Wolf uh, is, I consider, a prodigy uh, of the Midwest area. I think he's like 19 or 20 now, and uh, he's doing great things. And I'm looking forward to connecting with him again and having maybe a series of matches. Cool, man. Cool. Now, the first time I saw anything of you was basically shoot interviews and uh, convention videos before I'd actually seen you in the ring. But I just want to scoot forward a little bit. So the first time I come to see you on the screen properly was of MLW, and it was the turn on Kevin Sullivan. How, how was that with doing that with Kevin Sullivan? Oh, uh, you know, Kevin is, uh, he's an old soul, of course, but uh, he was, uh, you know, he was trying to butt into our business, and he was trying to sort of attach himself to the younger generation and keep himself relevant in uh yeah, we weren't having any of that, but it was nice to uh, finally get revenge or, or work with somebody that, that had a pretty impactful uh, part of my father's career, so yeah. that was quite interesting. You know, no hard feelings against Kevin, but, um, you know, I think his time is up, and, and uh, we ended up having a match together, and, and yeah, I think, he's, I think he's on his, I think he's chilling now. You know, he's not much involved with wrestling anymore, so. Stuff in. The stuff in WCW with, with your dad, <laughs> man, blurred yeah, the lines, didn't it? You're like, you're like, what is this? I, I was probably about 10, 10 at the time, and uh, I was just like, is this real? What, what is going on? It was <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy, man. But I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen as a young kid, man, here in the UK. Uh, so, so it was cool, man. Uh, what was your favourite bout of the Opera Cup 2019? I know. If, Fast forwarded past the New Heart Foundation. I will. I'll get on to the New Heart Foundation in a minute. How how was how was the Opera Cup? Um, the Opera Cup was super cool. Uh, super prestigious tournament. Super uh, super good opportunity for me and Davey Boy to really showcase our talents as singles wrestlers and really show and, and tell a cool story. Uh, the story being that you know. I'm, you know, I'm on death's door, and, and he's, and he's just an impressive physical specimen, and and he really laid it into me. You know, he really beat me up, and uh, he made me earn that that heart dungeon respect. You know, it's cold. I, I love that. I loved that. I like the match with TJP as well, man. Yes, I was. Yeah, that was when I was fresh, hundred percent, ready to go. Uh, I had a lot of my ideas, and I had a lot of technical uh, scouting that I had done on TJP, but, you know, as the tournament goes, you're not quite sure who you're going to face and how far you're going to go, so um, I had only really known I was going to face TJ, and so the other matches, I was I was worn down, um, I was out I was out physical, you know, obviously Timothy Thatcher, a huge physical specimen, and yeah. David Boyce Jr., a freaking prodigy and a physical monster, so... Um, very, very happy to have shared the ring with those two guys, and and I learned a lot in that tournament. How how did you enjoy doing the new Heart Foundation stuff? And I'm obviously going to include Teddy Hart in that when he was with you. How how was that doing the vignettes and the promos and stuff aside from the wrestling? <laughs> oh, it was amazing. It was always a fun time. Uh, we we never missed a beat with how organic everything was. You know, Teddy was always talking to talk, and, and Davey Roy was always backing it up with the muscle. And I was kind of in between, you know, unpredictable. You never really knew what I was going to get into. And uh, we got into some fun antics, and they ended up putting a camera in front of us just in our regular everyday lives, you know, just because to see how 
you know, entertaining we were. And, and I, I owe a lot to Teddy. I think Teddy was uh, probably one of the greatest wrestlers, you know, in the ring of all time. And uh, even as far as, as how much he sells his soul to the business, he, he's always, in, you know, he's always in character. He's always, and that's the thing. He doesn't really have a character because he is a character. You know, Teddy Hart is pro wrestling. He lives it. He breathes it. Um, unfortunately, he's got some, he's got some demons that catch up to him every now and then. But I think he'll still go down his history as, as a quite controversial, but also, uh, you know, a, a figure that contributed a lot of innovation and, and style to wrestling. So. Brian, I like how you called yourself unpredictable. You're definitely your father's son. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was wild. And that's oh, one of those my. things. You, you got to keep the people guessing, and sometimes I'm keeping myself guessing because I have no idea what what the future holds, and especially right now uh, with this situation. But my creative juices are flowing. Uh, I'm excited to get back in the ring uh, here shortly, and uh, yeah, I think things are going to be looking up for, for everybody. Which guys do you like watching in the current scene? Who's who's floating your boat? Who do you like to watch? Um, you know, I'm really. Uh, you know, I, I try not to fanboy too hard these days, but uh, I've been really enjoying, um, you know, obviously MLW is my, my promotion, so I have great respect for all the wrestlers there. Um, but I've been enjoying the AEW Dark on YouTube. You know, it gives me a chance to watch some of my friends that I came up on the indies with so and kind of see how they're doing. And so I always tune into AEW Dark because, uh, you know, that, that could be somewhere that uh, – that yeah, develops new talent, and I like to see the new talent of the future because, you know, one day I could be working with them. So it's nice to kind of scout out them, scout out their offense, see what they're all about. Yeah, I, I, didn't, want, I didn't want you to necessarily – I wasn't trying to get you to play favorites or anything with that question, but it's just to, just to see what, what you thought. Like, so, yeah, that's, that's cool, man. It's cool. Who, who do you feel is an untapped talent who's not – where they should be at the moment. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. You know what I will say, though? I, I thought the greatest, I thought the best, most badass wrestler I ever saw that I thought, I thought to myself, I was like, how the hell is this guy not, like, on top of the of wrestling business? Uh, I just thought he was so, so good. And I haven't really, I've never seen him since. And uh, I occasionally see his work on the network. But that, that Ilya Dragunov, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I mean, know. he's just on another level. I mean, he's awesome. He's a I physical animal. I mean, he's an animal. The first time I saw him was uh, Progress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that's the first time I got acquainted with Ila Dragunov. But, yeah, you can see it now on NXT oh, uh, UK. Yeah. And, and, yeah, he's right, where, he's right where he's supposed to be at NXT. But... I just, I just thought, wow, man. I mean, how is this guy not even bigger than that? You know, it's like he's uh, just, he's a physical specimen. He's a badass dude. And, and that's lately I've been kind of gravitating towards that style lately. You know, it's like it's not about being a, being a face or a heel or this, that, or the other. It's just about going out there and kicking ass and just being a total badass. And, and he's, a, he's a freaking badass. So I, I like the fact that people have gone not – I shouldn't really classify it as going down to NXT – because it's not it's not a downgrade, is it? In the slightest, but you know, just seeing uh, Balor on NXT UK and NXT again, 
it's so yeah it's, so cool. uh, it's almost its own thing its own brand and i think a lot of people like it better you know i think the storylines are a little more in line with having to wrestle each other right and yeah. wwe can get a little bit uh you know over overproduced at times but no i mean it just depends you know it's all it's all this art form is is built on itself right so whatever precedent that the wwe sets is as the precedent and everything else is going to kind of follow suit and fall in line and, and i think nxc is is right in line with where they need to be and the fans and the, and the types of fans that watch their show you know that's their audience you know there's no reason to try and reach outside of that from a from a fan perspective that, that's what i like about nxc uk mlw and the Ray Power, it's that fast-paced hour of action. That's why I like. Yeah. That's that's Absolutely. why I'm more. That's why I'm more akin to watching. Yeah. Thinking back people, to like, people these days, they have you know they have smaller attention spans, and they, they want to see more. You know, they want to see more happen, and you can see it with with how the video games are, are made and stuff too. You know, they're usually designed to to constantly reward and constantly give feedback and, and that's what crowds want. They want to react and they want to stay involved without going and getting on their phone and stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, an, av I'm an advocate, hate to sound like uh, Paul Heyman, but I'm an advocate for the, for the hour, 100%. Just takes me, takes me back to the early 90s when I was watching Superstars and stuff. What's your thoughts on WWE and AEW still running shows? Um, they're, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. I like that they're keeping people in the crowd. Like, they're not, like, fans, but they've got, like, other, other, you know, workers and stuff in the crowd hyping up the matches. And it does sound so much more natural than not having anybody there, you know? And the, the venue that they're doing it in is, is, like, a bit smaller. So, you know, it keeps some of that, some of that rowdiness of a crowd, that illusion of that in there. Um, whereas when I watched the WWE product, it felt very empty. Nobody's there. You know, they're still doing this in this big venue. You know, they're in the performance center. It's, you know, it's quite large for, for what they're trying to do. You know, it holds like four or five rings. Well, they only need one ring, you know. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it, it's incredible to see, like, the survival of, of these companies going through and, and still putting on products, still producing content for the fans, and uh, I'm just happy that, that they're doing it. I, I don't mind it so much with, with AEW, with the, obviously the heels and the faces either side. I've got a bit of atmosphere, but like you say, going back to WWE... I just all you all you've got is the announcers, haven't you? Really, I know some guys are coming down to ringside to matches, but yeah, I, I think it, it's worked a hell of a lot better with AEW the way they've been doing it. At least there's a bit more atmosphere going on. You're not just got the announcers, if if that makes any sense. Uh, so Stu Tompkin said Brian Pillman Jr. Wow, and then he said his question: You have so much talent, in ring ability. You have star quality and the look. You seem destined for greatness within the world of wrestling. But at any time, have you thought it was, wasn't for you? And if so, what would you be doing if you weren't following your legendary father's footsteps? I'll tell you what, I, I only really questioned myself uh, early on in, in the business because it was a lot to grasp mentally and physically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were a few times where I questioned if, if, if this was for me. Um, you know, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of long drives. But at the end of the day, once I became confident 
and once I went out to the ring with with that confidence, uh, nothing could stop me at, at that point. At that point, I uh, I knew what I was meant to do, and I knew I was meant to be a wrestler. So, um, ever since that first, you know, maybe that first six months, I haven't doubted myself since. So, um, in in regards to your attire, obviously you've got a look of your dad's attire, but. What, what, how did you come up with your attire as well? Because I've noticed, obviously, some modifications in certain matches and when you've changed stuff up. My attire? My, my, yeah. my gear? Yeah, yeah. I've noticed some of it is akin to what your dad, your dad's style, like the Bengals style. But obviously, I've noticed you've done... Yeah, lots, yeah, yeah. I've had, had some, some modifications. Some yeah, I've had some pretty different sets of gear. Uh, you know, to be fair, I, uh, I uh, wore those trunks lately because I didn't have any trunks and I've been I've been liking the way I look in trunks so the trunks I've been wearing lately were actually my first pair of trunks ever the uh, black and white uh, zebra zebra tiger stripes or whatever and then I had I've had several sets uh, made since and, and, and I was one of the first you know I guess not one of the first but I thought it was unique to with my yellow my yellow set of gear to have the, the tassels on the one side and then the long tights on the other and that set of gear actually fit me really well and I, I truly miss it but I actually lost those tights in a hotel room oh right okay yeah so <laughs> those will be worth a lot of money if they're ever recovered out of a landfill or something so uh, I, reckon, I, I, I would definitely pay a pretty pretty penny for them I, I'd say they might have made their way onto eBay Brian yeah me yeah. me Merely speculating there, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but somebody's got them. They got, yeah. they, they, uh, we were leaving a hotel room one morning. I had them hung up on the shower curtain to, to dry them, you know, air them out from the sweat. And as I packed everything else, of course, my ex-girlfriend was rushing me out of the building. And I hate when people rush me, so I forgot my pants. So, And ever since then, I've never left anything in a hotel room. So you live and you learn, and every lesson you learn is another valuable asset to you. So. It's that age-old question that we all ponder, is wrestling fixed? This is Bill Apter, and my answer to that is, I didn't know it was broken. So many of you know me from my days back at the classic wrestling magazines, and a lot of you from OneWrestling.com and OneWrestlingVideo.com. But I always get questions about various things I've did through the years to propel my career to where it is today, as the world's most recognizable journalist in pro wrestling. What was my relationship with the McMahons? Was I the guy who started that feud between the actor, comedian Andy Kaufman and Jerry the King Lawler? What is Ric Flair really like? Who are my favorites? Well, all this and more answered in my book that you can get online or at your favorite book dealer called Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken. It's a great read got great views, and hopefully you'll be picking it up soon, too. So the answer to, is wrestling fixed? You know it now. I didn't know it was broken. This is Bill Apter, and I'll see you at the matches. How how'd you find it being on the road? How, how's, that been, how's that been for you? Uh, I love the road. You know, I love driving. I love flying around. I love meeting new people and trying new foods in different cities. Uh, I was truly living the dream. And uh, to be sitting here at home and, and having all this time alone, it, it makes me wonder, you know, uh, how, you know, how much I miss it, you know, and how much I was taken for granted. So, 
But, you know, I couldn't really take it for granted because I was doing my best and I was going out there and I was killing it. So I don't think I was taking it for granted. I just didn't expect it to, to yeah. all be pulled out from underneath me. Yeah, know? man. I can, we, we as fans can only imagine, like, you know what I mean, how, how mentally, you know, you, you're set to that way you've been traveling around. Man. I can only, can only imagine how, how it could be for you, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Chris Lappin, love your work in MLW. When normality returns, are you wanting to go into the tag title scene with Davy Jr. or get your hands on Myron Reed and take his middleweight title? I thought that was a good question, uh, that. Yeah, I like that. He's, he's, he's done well there, Chris Lappin. Yeah, he's done his research there, Chris. And, you know, Chris, I have a lot of fun tagging with Davy Boy. And we, my most recent match was actually in Tijuana, Mexico. So we had a great match down there, a uh, successful victory. We're actually undefeated in Tijuana. As a tag team, um, I don't know how my you know how well I'll do uh, as a singles wrestler out there, but definitely as a tag team, I, uh, we are very successful there. We're undefeated actually uh, on all fronts. I don't think. Well, maybe we lost to the Dynasty in a ladder match, but that was a six-man deal. Yeah. Uh, but as as a tag, me and Davey Boy are undefeated. We are a threat to be to be dealt with. So well, I'm really well, looking forward to that. But but Myron, as we've stated, is. Uh, is kind of putting a, a very, very bad reputation on the on the middleweight title. Um, I think someone with a little more prestige, with a little more class, deserves to hold it. And they're constantly blaming the refs and this, that, and the other, and they're being held back. But, but to be honest, they just need to get their act together and get some nicer gear and try to step in the ring with some pros, you know. Because uh, right now they're just a bunch of kids. And they don't understand. They don't understand the finer nuances of the business to be getting in there with me. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm pretty sure the middleweight title is going to be a pretty clean, pretty easy take. You know, unless unless these injustice members really want to make things hard on me. What about the cro crooked officiating in Tijuana, Brian? There's a hell of a uh, lot going on. Well, what's yeah. what's happening? Rich, Rich, uh, I, I, I can't comment on anything, but I will say that the officials in Tijuana are, are uh, they might have a different rule book over there as opposed to here. So, <laughs> I like how that was getting dis uh, discussed on commentary. Uh, we got MLW on Monday over here. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I like how that was getting spoken of. And no, I, I've noticed that MLW is, is quite popular over there, and, and I definitely experienced that when I did my 10-day tour. Uh, of the UK, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of the fans had known me from MLW, so it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty cool to see that and have a lot of people come to the shows and, and draw a little draw a little house for everybody and you know get everybody invested. I I'm I'm impressed, man. I'm not just blowing smoke either on that one. I, I like I like all all different uh, companies, obviously, but yeah, I've been solid with MLW now since 2018. Obviously. Um, it was YouTube mainly to begin with, but now we've got free sports in the UK, uh, which has got a big outreach. It's getting into a lot of homes on free sports, MLW. So that, that's good, I, I think. Yeah. It's good for you guys, getting new eyes on the uh, product. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pretty, pretty, good, pretty good deal to have that international exposure, for sure. I like Cornette when he was there, to be honest with you. I love Jim Cornette, man. <laughs> I, I love it. I still love him 25, 30 yeah. years later. Yeah. You know, and and uh, to be honest, you know, Jim it says a lot of things that are very true. You know, Jim is oftentimes right, you know, in, in 
And that's the sad thing is that somebody like him, maybe he kind of tarnished his, his reputation of being a credible source of information because he went out and said some very juvenile things, um, some very irresponsible things. And that, that's going to, and that's going to live with him for the rest of his life. But at the same time, you know, he was saying those things in the eighties, he was saying those things in the nineties and, and stuff. So it's just it just catches up with you if you don't adapt with the times and, and and people are just people are so judgmental now people are the first people to judge these days but nobody is nobody wants to look in the mirror you know nobody wants to judge themselves and and, and, and reprimand their own actions but it's really easy to just you know call other people out and be a virtue signal and and you know claim to be this good person um but at the same time, it's actually going out there and doing something with your life is, is what matters. It's not sitting behind a keyboard and claiming to be the good guy, you know. I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I, it's, he's, he's never, he's not going to change. He's been the same. I know, yeah. I know times, I know times have changed, but I wouldn't expect the bloke to change, you know. Yeah. That, that, that's how we know, that's how we know him. He speaks yeah. his mind. I'd much, I'd much rather, I'd much yeah, rather he has be, a great following, great fan base. Yeah. Oh, Generates a lot of money for himself. He is. I don't. I don't listen to his podcast in the entirety, but I do watch clips on YouTube that they put up, and uh, he speaks a lot of sense, man. He's got his own views and stuff, but you know, in the main, I, I always, I'll always listen to his podcast. Yeah. Uh, David G asks, "What is your favorite match of your dad's?" You know, my new favorite match I just watched of his the other night. I'd seen it before in my younger years, but I just refreshed the memory on it. It was uh, my dad and Scotty Flamingo at the fall Raven. draw. Or, <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was tight. I enjoyed it. I thought seeing Raven in a different light was really cool, and they told a great story. As my dad being the baby face and Raven just kind of had that kind of that high school bully look to him, you know, and and then that the infamous uh, spot on the ramp that that was uh, recreated on AEW Dynamite was really cool. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of lot of lot of cool history um, to my father's career, you know, like the amount of people he locked up with, you know, and and the types of guys that that he shared a ring with. I mean, even to this day, I'll go to a convention and I'll get to talk to those guys. And it's just like, whoa, it's like I'm getting to talk to my dad because I'm getting to hear a story, you know, from them about him and his experience with them. So uh, wrestling is really a great way for me to reconnect with my father and his spirit. Now, now obviously, yeah, that, that's cool, man. That's cool. Dewey Roberts asks, this is a good pal of mine, Dewey Roberts, big fan. He's uh, been over been over to Mania, the States, many, many times. And he asks, who is your dream opponent and what type of match would you have? You know, obviously, I, I would want to have a singles match with, uh, with, uh, with Chris Jericho, honestly. I think it would be great. He's, uh, I just he's, like the way he wrestles, yeah. Look, look how he's adapted. Over over thirty yeah. years, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he's old, if he's young, give me any version of him, right? And I could do with it. I could have a great match with him. I I love the fact that he went back to Japan. You know, got those matches in with like you know the younger guys. Yeah, absolutely, genius. This is from Mike Maddog Angus. Now I sent a photo of Mike. 
over on Twitter to you before, but I don't know if you I don't know if you'd seen it. He was okay. uh, he, he's from the TNT crew. He's a ring announcer. TNT in Liverpool. I know you've met loads of people, obviously. I've, yeah, yeah, so I've been up to TNT before. Yeah, yeah. So he asked. His question was: uh, the Hollywood Blondes, in my opinion, one of the best and most underrated tag teams of all time. Would you ask Brian Pillman, who would be his stunning Steve? <laughs> and he, he's he's bracketed it. He said uh, tag partner question mark, and then he's end. It's quite a long one. This bloody hell, Mike. What are you doing to me here? Uh, he says. He said maybe Cody Hall. I was actually really impressed with Cody Hall's work when I saw him out in England. Um, I think he's a very, very formidable guy. I think he's very large, but also very athletic. Um, I think he has a lot of, a lot of swagger, a lot of charisma. Um, I think he just needs to figure out the logistics um, of wrestling and, and where he's going to live and where he's going to work and operate. And, and he might need to play the, you know, he might need to play the politics game a little bit better. You know, he tends to rub people the wrong way. Um, but at the same time, I think he's got a boatload of potential, um, you know, trained in Japan. He really knows how to work. I and mean, it's just something you don't see a lot. Uh, he really knows how to work like a big guy, big man style. So, no, I think it'd be great to have a match with him or to tag with him. I always imagine tagging with, like, some big guy, you know, to kind of, you know, cause, like with Davy Boy, you know, makes sense. If I was actually to form the uh, the Hollywood Blondes, there's a couple guys. Um, uh, that I would think about it, and one of them was Matt McIntosh from the Northeast area here in here in the states, uh, big time New Jersey wrestler. Uh, looks exactly like Steve Austin. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and then, but in a more in a more uh, relative sense, uh, I could see myself tagging with Alex Hammerstone. Oh, he's incredible! So, what a talent! What a yeah. talent he is! That was really cool. So, um, him being blonde, and I could just get blonded up again and stuff like that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you got you got you got to be a heel if you're doing that. <laughs> some, uh, we want some heelish tactics from you, man. Get the get the real sinister side of Brian Pillman Jr. out. That's, that's what we're looking for, man. Yeah, I, I get a little more sinister every day. Uh, I, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy the, the the energy of the crowd, and I enjoy being a babyface. But at the same time, I, I really like picking people apart and and and, uh, and beating them up and, and just being an overall piece of shit. I'm excited to do that. <laughs> I'd say it. I'll tell you what, Brian, just to go on to the Blondes, like, you know, Austin said it many times, but th that tag team was cut short, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. They, are, they had a lot more mileage, didn't they? A lot more matches in a man. I'm only quoting Austin here, really, but it does make sense. See, there was a lot more mileage in that tag team at the time, looking back. Oh, and sometimes people cut things short because it's too good, you know, and, and that could have been some politics involved where... Um, maybe a different tag team or somebody didn't want the spotlight taken from them too much because they could have been too good, you know. Maybe they were just supposed to be heels. There was a number of times where my dad or Steve were, were you know, set up as job guys, you know, to go out there and, and, and to not get over and to not be stars. Uh, but their natural charisma and talent just outshines it. And that's what I tell people all the time. Like, it doesn't matter 
if you lose a match or win a match and you're on the indies and this out of the other, it's like, as long as you're getting paid and you're going out there and, and looking like a star every time you go through the curtain, because eventually the cream will rise. And, and in all fairness, they had some kick-ass matches against one another after it, to be fair. You know, they still, they, they had their matches afterwards, didn't they? But yeah, I, yeah. It just from a fan standpoint, I, I wanted to see more of it, but did I boo them as a child at the time? Yeah, I probably did boo them when I was watching them as a child. But I, obviously, as I got older, I got to respect what they were doing, watching the matches back years later. This is from Kevin Williams. And he says, your dad was an absolute solid talent enjoyed by many over here in the UK. From his WCW Hollywood Blonde days to WWF, he was the man. If you could wrestle anyone from the early 90s era, who would it be? From the nineties, that that's his that's his question. Kev's Kev's very nineties, uh, early nineties, like oh. myself. But we're, we're not attitude era guys. You see, I love the early nineties. Yeah, I was actually watching. I would love. Is it? Let me see what year that match is. Um, um, let me see what year that match is because that's the fact. <laughs> Yeah, 1992. I would like to be in the ring with with uh, Doug Furness and Crawford and those guys from All Japan. The early 90s All Japan was just the coolest, the coolest stuff. <laughs> what was what was what was standing out for you stylistically? Those matches, um, the, what, you know, it's particularly you know Kabashi, Kikuchi, and, and, and Furness and Crawford. Those tag matches uh, that they had just. The way that the offense would transition, and, and and the way that these guys were just jacked up out of their minds, and, and they could still move, and they could still do so much, and, and they, they had, you know, they had so much professionalism in their style that was just highly, you know, it was just such a high level thing where it looked so good, it looked so brutal, but. A, a, a trained eye could see that this is a professional, you know, so these guys weren't dangerous, you know, they, they, they were physical and they probably did a lot more damage to their own bodies, you know, which then, than they should have. And maybe that culture of wrestling in Japan was maybe a little more, um, shooty at the time, maybe a little more snug at the time, but just watching this match, man, it's, it's incredible to see, the physicality, but just how artful it is and the transitions that they told, the stories they told, the reactions that they got in Japan during those early 90s. So if you want to watch the best wrestling, I think it's early 90s all Japan. So, Cool, man. Uh, good answer. Good. I like that. That was very good. My uh, This is going full circle, this. Uh, my editor, Chris Dutton, he edits the show. And he's asked, question for Brian, dude. I don't know if he's calling you, dude, or me, dude, but we'll go with it. If you would be so kind as to indulge me, excluding the obvious answer, which is the lockdown being lifted, what is the one thing you would like to see changed about the wrestling world today in comparison, in comparison to the time period when your dad was an active wrestler? Good question, that, Chris. Fair play. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think we do need to take a step back into history, and, and we really need to protect this business more. Um, there's too many people in it that are making a living in wrestling, and they have no respect for the history of it, and they have no respect for, for the foundation of it. And, and to, be, to be fair, those people aren't going to last anyways. Um, those people are not going to be around in the future 
despite you know them having success if you don't give your soul to wrestling if you don't give your life to it and if you don't respect it and truly believe in it then you're not going to last in this business and and we've just got too many people that want to play wrestler these days you know and they just want to play it like it's like it's just some fun thing and it's not you know this is our lifestyle this is how we make a living um this is a very serious thing uh, lance storm told me the you know the first day of training he's like unfortunately kid you're not gonna have any time to play around because everybody's gonna be watching you from day one you know and you're gonna be already being watched you're gonna have to treat it like a job from day one yeah. so from day one i gotta treat this like a job mm-hmm. i just to, just to go on to lance storm you just said about him um i wonder whether he'll, he's, he's probably going to open his school back up isn't he uh, hey, I mean, he might have to. I mean, maybe I'll text it, him and find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, idea. you know, he, he's done all that. He's closed it down and then, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to text him right now. One of, one of the most highly regarded schools in the world, isn't it? <laughs> Brian's putting a, Brian's putting a text Sorry, in. I had, to, I had a message. <laughs> So I just thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I just thought about that. Uh, as you said that, I was like, you know what? Because I thought about it earlier. I was like, I bet he opens school back up. Surely, surely now uh, just carry on doing what he was doing. I've got a, uh, this has gone like round the globe and back again. Richie Sorrentino. Now I'm going to read this message out in full. Um, he says, let's have a read. Tell him Richie said, what's up? The one who dr- introduced him to Bret Hart in New Orleans. I would also like to ask him if his girlfriend is still in New York. But I asked because when things get back to normal, might have some stuff for him. That was his question. Richie Sorrentino. Oh, I've heard of Richie Sorrentino. That sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. That, that oh, was, was the question. question again. I'm really out of it. I just, I just woke up and. What was the question again? I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, tell him, tell him, Richie said, "What's up?" The one who introduced him to Bret Hart in New Orleans. I also want to ask. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. If uh, him and his girlfriend are still, if, if his girlfriend's still in New York. <laughs> that I He's asked because. When. <laughs> When things get back to normal, I'll have some stuff for him. This is what he's. This is what you said. Yeah, yeah. No, tell Richie. Uh, you know, Samantha's still someone that I that I'm in contact with. So she's a very sweet girl, and I'll probably be able to go up there and, and see her at some point. But yeah, if he wants to get together and then talk some projects, I'd be more than willing to work with the guy. Um, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Barry Horowitz through him to get him on. So yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. man. That's cool. Yeah, they're at the, the um, big event, New York City, maybe the next big event, and do some signings and stuff. It's hard. They need to get they need to get you younger guys over as well, man. Yeah, it is harder though. You know, you got to have that draw power. You got to. So I was very yeah. uh, blessed to be brought over. You know, because you know I could sell some tickets and, and help elevate the scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, Matt Riddle had a good run over there in England too. You know, he, he brought he brought in a lot of. Uh, mystique and a lot of skill to that scene so and he learned and, and he developed and that's how we all learn you know you go on different tours to different countries and you pick up some different styles and uh and he's killing it in nxt i mean he's a mainstay i think he's one of the i think he's going to be one of the biggest things ever 
I, I remember him in the MMA, man. You know what I mean? So it's it's cool. It was cool to see. It's cool to see him do so well. And uh, having the um, thing with Goldberg as well backstage, that was pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not your bro. And he just stays in his face, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, 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 you know, he, he told me they, they really don't like each other. You know, to shoot. So. Hey, at the end of the day, he'd end up tying Goldberg like a pretzel. Let's have a yeah. bite. No oh, matter, yeah. He's definitely a wrestler for sure. He's, he's a very ground-based guy. So, so in, in relation to MLW, uh, which places were booked before COVID, which obviously you couldn't fulfill your bookings? Where were you meant to be going after uh, Mexico? That's my question. Uh, where was I meant to be going? Well, yeah, whichever, whichever states. Oh, so I, I, I was, I was actually going to be going to um, Las Vegas that very next weekend. Uh, I didn't even get home till like a day before, though. I had like no time at all, and, and I came down with a sickness. I had, I had some flu-like symptoms right before, or right as this COVID was dropping. So I had to make a very hard decision for my own personal you know, life to, to turn down a potential payday of, of quite a bit of money, you know. So I turned down a lot of money to keep myself safe during this time and to keep other people safe. You know, I didn't want to be traveling, getting on a plane, right, as all this is going down, you know. And, uh, you know, I had to talk with the promoter. I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, but uh, I can't bring myself to get on that plane. You know, I was just frozen. You know, I was about to ready to order the Uber. But I was like, dude, I'm coughing, I'm sniffling. You know, I got a headache. I got flu-like symptoms. I don't know what it could be. I, and even if it was, you know, obviously it wasn't the COVID, but it could have been anything. It could have got anybody sick. And that's the only time I've ever canceled a show. So I've uh, I've lived up to my, my, you know, Teddy Hart always told me, he's like, never miss a show. He's like, your dad never missed a show. You know, never miss a show. So out of respect for my father and Teddy, I plan to never miss a show. So unless I absolutely have to, you know. Yeah, that, that that comes across as well, man. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Lance Texas. Wait, wait. <laughs> it wasn't in his plans. It wasn't in his plans. Here we go. I, so. I, won't, I won't get in the way of you and Lance. I, <laughs> it's I, not I, I can... plans, but I know Lance Storm. I know that he uh, has this huge itch for wrestling, and he's, he loves wrestling so much, so... If he doesn't get his job back, he'll definitely do something in wrestling. He might get back in the ring. Who knows? <laughs> I'd like to see him back in the ring, actually. Get him in. Get him in Jericho together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to you, know. He's jumping around all the. Yeah, that'd be fun to see him in Jericho tag. Maybe I'll tell him that. Yeah, we didn't. I obviously at the time we didn't get uh, Smoky Mountain, so it was years later. The only the only time we knew about Smoky Mountain was when Cornette came into uh, WWF. So, yeah, he said uh, nobody's gonna be traveling internationally very soon for training. So, how how long? You know, obviously you're in the same place for weeks. There's weeks of taped and tapings done with MLW. How how many days? How many days? Oh yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good question. So we do four weeks, four yeah. episodes in one night. Uh, as far as the matches and stuff goes, and then we do the vignettes, and we might use vignettes from another taping and this and the other. But but we basically film four weeks worth of content in one night, 
yeah. Uh, yeah. which is quite huge. You know, it, it's 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 four hours, right? Because it's an hour each episode. It's four hours of yeah. content, right? And we're taping it, and sometimes there's. Sometimes there's 15, 16 uh, matches on the card, and I'm in five of them. And, <laughs> and uh, no, it's a lot of workload. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to happen. So, I've I've always been told, right? Even if a question sounds stupid, ask it. So I thought I'd ask it, and I, you know, I, I wanted to know something. I, something I didn't know. So I, it, might, it might. It might it might have sound stupid to you, like, but yeah, I just just uh, I daft things that I, I always want to know about, <laughs> and and uh, it always seems to be like good capacity there as well at the events, man. You get good the turnouts are good, aren't they? Yeah, so the way that MLW does their venues and stuff uh, works out really well. Um, the areas are well marketed. Uh, they're areas that we know there's wrestling fans, and the venues are designed in a way to fill them up and make it look like it's the most packed, you know, event going on in town. So I'm very blessed to be able to wrestle up in Queens, New York. I can't wait to go back there. It's one of my favorite venues. Uh, I'm very blessed to, to be in, in Cicero, Chicago, uh, out there uh, in, the, in, in a very large arena. Now, we fill that place up with 2,000 people. Um, now, the, now, the venue. Venues in New York are a lot smaller, you know, maybe 500, 800 people. But yeah, yeah. But we go to Chicago, it, it's popping off. We went to Dallas, Texas. You know, we had eight. Oh, that, that was going to be my next question. What was what was Dallas like for the supercards and stuff, man? Oh, Dallas is awesome, man. Uh, I had one of my one of my best matches there. One of my favorite matches uh, was there against Fatu. Uh, super incredible beast there. Good guy, just incredible athlete. Uh, but unfortunately, I lost the match to him. But I would say there's a weight class discrepancy, and I almost had it <laughs> if it wasn't for the injustice. Can you can you not put a little bit more weight on, a bit more muscle on, Brian? Uh, yeah, I do need to put I need to put some more muscle on. Uh, to be fair, though, for the middleweight title, uh, I should be losing weight because I'm above the 205 weight limit. So. I need to decide if I want to lose weight or if I want to get jacked up out of my mind. Um, part of me just wants to get jacked up out of my mind. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? I really like uh, big, big fan of his, and uh, it, it's him as a whole. I'm not really into like the extreme style. Uh, Mance Warner. Mance Warner, I like. Um, yeah, oh, he's, the, the, he's he's just a walking he, bucket of charisma. Yeah. That. that the promos and the stuff of Alicia Ratut backstage, it's just you can't, you, sometimes you can't teach it, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. Like I was telling you earlier, you just, some of that charisma, you just can't teach it, you know. And, and, and Mance is a guy that, you know, he's pro wrestling every day. You know, he wakes up, he's pro wrestling. He goes to bed, he's pro wrestling. When he eats food, he's pro wrestling. He's always in character. He's always Mance Warner. And that's why, that's why I love him. I love me some old Mance now. He, he reminds me of uh, the Briscoes in ROH, you know. Yeah. Oh, he man. reminds me that uh, look how long the Briscoes have been doing it, and yeah. you know that guy. I'm telling you, shoot him to the moon. Tell yeah. you, he's uh, he's he's going he's places. He is. He's that old man to the moon now. It's just it's just um, I'm not in I'm not mega into extreme style. I like a I like a normal wrestling match. But yeah, I that's do the like thing. It. Like I don't even care about that either. Like I don't watch him for his. Like his hardcore matches, you know. No, I like his promos and I like him as yeah. a character. I don't really need to see him bleeding and shit, but he knows that that's what gets over with the fans. And like you always say, red is green, right? 
He needs to keep opening, um, opening up a few cold ones like Austin. I've noticed he's been doing that recently. Yeah. Couple of cold, couple of cold ones backstage, man. <laughs> um. Obviously, you're in AEW for a bit. What's your working relationship with AEW now? That was going to be like my last question. Um, AEW, great company. Uh, obviously, they're they're in their infancy stages and they're going through uh, developing young, new talent. And those guys are are just killing it right now. Uh, Darby Allen is is probably one of the most talented human beings I've ever met in my life. He's just an absolute, uh, yeah. just a, just an anomaly of a person. Uh, huge, huge credit to him. Huge credit to Cody for for betting on all these guys. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. could have could have been overlooked and not used at all. They're just a gimmick or this any other. But he really bet on a lot of young people, and and, and he made some big stars in that company. So uh, a lot of people doubted them. You know, a lot of people doubted Marco Stunt. You know, they doubted Sammy Guevara. They doubted all these guys that are doing these big things and uh, I'm nothing but excited. I'm excited to, to see where they go and how they develop. And, and I'm excited to see how I develop an MLW and, and hopefully I can mirror their mirror, their star power. And, and maybe down the road, if I do end up working there, I'll already be a nice, well-established star, you know? So that, that, that's just what I like seeing, uh, seeing people cross promotional. That's what I was getting to. Like obviously seeing you there, um, and obviously MJF, obviously he's, he's not with uh, MLW anymore. But it was cool seeing you guys working for for the two. Um, I'll just say, like obviously the likes of you and MJF, you're on AEW. Oh, yeah, also. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Max Max was very uh, was very fortunate that his contract was about to run out, and, and he could he could kind of bridge that gap over to, over to AEW. So he's a perfect fit for them. Uh, he was a star in MLW, and he's a huge star in AEW. Yeah. And he's a huge talking point. He's a huge uh, – he creates plots, you know. So there's always a plot with MJF in the mix, and, and, and people mm-hmm. love him or hate him. Uh, he's doing some great work for the business. He respects the business more than those other people I was talking about earlier. There's younger people that aren't paying it respect. So I have a ton of respect for Maxwell. Uh, he's personally a good friend of mine. And there's, uh, I, so there's, hate him. I hate him, but he's my friend. There's – there's no, there's no off button with that man. <laughs> no, there's not, not at all. And that, and that's what we like. Keep it, yeah. keep it going. Very, yeah. very old, very old school values. Very old school. I like it, man. Yeah. Uh, but also, just going on to the dynasty now with um, Richard Holiday, Hammerstone, and Gino, it'll give them a bit more screen time now, won't it? Now that MJF's gone. Yeah. No, absolutely. Which, and, and which, they're, which they're is great. Gino, Gino Medina. Uh, yeah. He's going to be a huge part of the dynasty right now. Another super talented guy, and I'm looking forward to kicking his ass uh, <laughs> to show you know that I can hang with the best of them. So he's like a little Eddie Guerrero Jr. I'd like to say. Right, Brian, it's come to that time of the night, afternoon. I want you to plug the social media. I do this with all the guests. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. I, I was happy to be a part of this. It was a lot of fun. A lot of unique questions. Uh, if you want to ask me more questions or just kind of see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter at Flying Brian Jr. or on Instagram at Flying Brian 41. Yes, I'm still in somewhat shape, but I need to get back in the tanning bed and I need to get jacked again and get in better shape again. So it's all part of the process, baby. Follow me, follow my my wrestling and my fitness journey, 
and maybe we'll do some other things along the way. Maybe we'll go to the Dominican Republic and get tan again and drink some beer. <laughs> Flying Brian Pillman Jr., the man with the best mullet in pro wrestling and sports entertainment and sport. My guest for episode 27. Thank you very much. Honor and a privilege to get you on, man. Big fan. Big thank fan. You. Thank uh, you. Time. Thank you guys. I tried. I tried my best not to come over as a mark, but what, what can I say? <laughs> right, what what, can, say? I, what can I marks, say, man? All marks on the inside. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always. Superb, superb. Chris Dutton, thank you very much for editing once again. Appreciate it, buddy. And also to Lee, who does my website. Lee puts the stuff up on the website. Without you guys, I'd be screwed. So once again, as always, appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me. It means a lot, guys. Special thank you for the theme song this week, which is by the Zangwills, Sunlight at Midnight. Cheers, boys. Thanks again for letting me use it. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.